I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sam Pets Radio, Australia's coolest podcast network. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of All the Small Games. My name is Andrew Levins, and my mic is, for some reason, trying to run away from me, but it's, I caught it. I caught it. All right, everyone. It's, it's been caught. Uh, and joining mic. me today is uh, someone with the coldest mic in town. That's what they call him. Uh, John Valenzuela. How's it going, Levins? Good. Good man. Good save on um, that mic, buddy. Yeah, no. It was like, like literally like, it was, like falling away from my... <laughs> and I was like, kind of chasing it with my mouth. Good vibe. <laughs> um, man, I believe... Based on discussions we've had, that this is going to be a freaking whopping ep today. Yeah, man. Uh, no thanks to you. <laughs> hey, screw you, man. <laughs> uh, yesterday, I wrote to John and I said, hey, man, I'm all set to record tomorrow. And John was like, I should be too. I just haven't played a game yet. But this morning, I worked in the news that not only had John started a game, he finished it too. Damn straight. This is all, What's this is all the small games. We should like talking about games you can finish in one night. Is is the yeah. reason we exist? Absolutely. Um, and then, and then I, we talk about stuff like Psychonauts Two. <laughs> man, I knew that there's there's so many games that I started and really liked that I, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll finish that by the end of the year. And the end of the year is rapidly like approaching. Yeah, it's it's coming up terrifyingly <laughs> fast, and I'm already looking at what's left and going like, oh, I have no time. Yeah. Um, so I've been uh, just. Burning through games. Um, I finished Solar Ash, which I talked about last week. Ooh, nice um, segue from burning yeah. through games. That's very true. I mean, better than last week's segue about burning, if I remember correctly. <laughs> oh, God. Um, and uh, I have started a brand new game that I've been very excited about. Um, it reminds me a lot of two years ago when I was uh, anticipating harder than anything else um, the final addition to the Shovel Knight Treasure Trove collection, the uh, King of Hearts yeah. um, installment. This year, um, I was very excited for another Shovel Knight game, and that is Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon, um, very amazingly referred to as Shovel Knight Picnic Panic, <laughs> uh, a couple of minutes ago before we hit record by John. Is Picnic Panic, is that the name of the um, Messenger expansion? Yeah, uh, wait, maybe? Um, is that where you're getting Picnic Panic from? Uh, I'm getting it from the comic strip Aquad. But um, oh, right, I think okay, you, sure. but I think you might actually be right because I remember at the time being like, yeah, it's the messenger picnic panic. Yeah, okay, cool. Oh, there yeah. we go. Great. Um, I've also played uh, Loop Hero, the Switch port of that. Um, very intrigued. I've, uh, I've started Unsighted. Oh, okay. Um, and I have uh, played a, a big chunk of Flynn, Son of Crimson. These are my like my big goals for the end of the year. Right. Um, and, uh, and I've even managed to fit in a card game, um, one made by um, an indie game developer that um, we know as Jan Willem Nijman. Mm-hmm. Is that his name? I think so, I think yeah. It is. 
Uh, he just released his first physical card game um, with, a, with a small team of other developers called Dust Biters, and it arrived in the mail yesterday, and my son and I have played a few rounds. It's very cool. So lots to talk about this episode. John, spin the wheel. I know you've just been uh, busily hold jotting on, down hold on, all, hold on, hold on. all the things we just said. What am I saying? What am I talking about, buddy? The, the game that I forget if you even said the name of. I didn't. <laughs> So I'm okay. going to be talking about uh, the game that I started and finished in the space of a night, which is XO1. And uh, I've also, as we've discussed on previous eps, we've talked about how the game Moonlighter has often been like a, a, a sort of, we just didn't get it when it first came out. So this week I actually sat down and put in some time to see if I could understand what all the hype was about with Moonlighter. Now let's spin that damn wheel and oh look at that it landed on Loop Hero for the Switch. The thing I'm very right. curious about. How lucky. Go for it. Uh, I I also just spun a little my own wheel and it m- reminded me to say, "Hey, it's our 100th episode." Hey. <laughs> Congratulations, John. Well done. Hey. Congratulations. Wonderful. Um we made it 100 episodes. 100 small g- actually it's more like fucking 500 small games. Yeah. Uh would you say that? I mean, I guess we used to talk about like 12 games at a time in the early episodes. Yeah, the early episodes were definitely like two hour, 10 games each kind of thing. Uh, but I reckon that's balanced out by some of the later eps where it's like one game each. So I'd say well, probably... Or for, or for me, like Death Door and nothing else three weeks in a row. Yeah, fair. <laughs> at least 200 of those games are Hollow Knight. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Death Door was one of the games that Devolver Digital published this year that's getting a lot of acclaim. Um, Inscription is another, and yet another of them is Loop Hero, a game that came out for PC and Mac uh, earlier this year. Um, it was developed by uh, Four Quarters, and we John reviewed it very, very early on in the year, and then I reviewed it a couple, oh, well, kind of, you know, spoke about it a couple of weeks later when I realized you could also play it on Mac. Both of us were like, I don't know if this would ever work as a console game, and then time made full of, fools of us all. Because at a recent, uh, I think like, was it a Switch, uh, Nintendo Direct? Yeah, I think so, They announced yeah. that Loop Hero is coming to Nintendo Switch. And that is what where I've been playing it the last couple of weeks. Um, for those who haven't played it before, it is a roguelike game um, where you are essentially a hero making your way in a, a loop, looping around a, a path um, from, from your camp back and, and back, back to your camp. And on your way, you fight monsters. The monsters drop loot and weapons, and you keep leveling yourself up. And also, the the, the cards that you get um, allow you to change the terrain around you. Um, so you can put like graveyards around you, or rocks, or trees. And every time you change the terrain, um, you enable more powerful monsters uh, to inhabit the terrain, which you then fight to get better loot. And uh, as you continue over and over again, you can, you basically, there are bosses, there are, um, you can go back to your camp um, as you complete a loop and, and, and upgrade it and upgrade all your stats and everything like that. There's, there's a lot of stuff to do. And um, like, I, I think this is uh, notable for me as a game that I tried to play while DJing this year. Um, and it was just too obvious that I was playing a game. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I've been playing some time on the Switch version and I, it was a little bit awkward at first when I was like, oh, okay, so you've got to like hold down the left trigger and that opens the card menu. And if you hold down the right tr- trigger, that holds down, that opens up the weapon me- menu and you can kind of move things around with, uh, with the joystick as you would a mouse when you hold the buttons down. Mm-hmm. There are a few odd prompts where, it, where like they haven't changed the text where it's like, right, click this. And you're like, oh, I can't do that, man. Oh, yeah. It's a switch. It's, always, uh, but it's those- always funny when I'm playing a game and like, It'll be like, press triangle. And it's like, I'm on Xbox, guys. Port yeah. properly. 
Phil Spencer doesn't believe in triangles. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So would you say you've made it further on Switch than you did on Mac? I'm about the same. I'm like, I've, I've made it to the first boss both times and the boss fucking wailed on me and I never, I've, I did that and I was like, well, that's good. That's me done for the day yeah. and then I haven't opened it since. Uh, it's man, it's, it's, a, it's a ton of fun though. I really love the sound effects, um, which I didn't really appreciate when I was playing it through my PC. Um, just like the, the, you know, as you start a day, like the, the kind of crunching of the of your steps on the ground and the, the whistling of birds and weird monsters. I love the conversations you have with vampires as you fight them before you fight them. Yeah, those are great. The little the little interactions you have when some of the monsters show up are fantastic. Discovering little like almost secret recipes with the cards yes. is also f- like a fantastic part of the gameplay. Um, so would you say like having got over gotten over that initial kind of hurdle of oh this is a little bit awkward does it start to feel natural yeah yeah no i was totally used to it by okay. the end my problem my problem with the game is not so much a i mean it's just it's a problem with what the game is in that it is it, it always feels like a very passive game like no matter how much i'm enjoying myself i always feel like i should be doing something else while i play it yeah yeah um so it's hard to go oh well i almost beat the boss this time but now i'm going to really pay attention for the next you know 45 minutes and and get myself really powerful so I can take down this boss. But it's just kind of I don't know. There's it, it reminds me a little bit of Cookie Clicker, except you can I don't know. It, it, you you can die. It's possible to die. Yeah. If you don't, and and it, it does require you to kind of pay attention and and move things around every. It's every ten to thirty seconds. But yeah, it's yeah. it's one of those things where it's like it's very easy for your attention to wander, and a lot of the times that's fine. But there will be a two second period where you need to have done something. And if you're not paying attention, then up oh, crap. Yep. Um, yeah. They do describe it as like a, an idle game essentially, but uh, yes. I don't know. Idle games generally, you should be able to completely unfocus and then turn your attention back and do stuff. Whereas this is ah, crap. My dude died. Yeah, totally. But good to know that it's found a new home on the on the Switch, and hopefully, yeah. Look, I've only played it on 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 handheld, and you can use the touch screen. Oh, okay, um, yep. That which, makes... which made a few actions where I was like, "How do I do that?" Oh, well, there we go. Um, that makes perfect but I, sense. I, I've not played it on the TV yet, okay. so I don't know how that how that translates. Hmm. But uh, yeah, like I recommend. I mean, I'd recommend it as a game to play anywhere, to be honest. And this this didn't seem like like I said, there's a, there's a learning curve, but I learned it pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely. It definitely has that like card game sort of meta to it where you're like, oh, I need to understand the game above the game to, to really, you know, kick ass at this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, like I said, good to, uh, good to hear, you know, it, holiday season's approaching people. So buy your loved one Loop Hero on Switch. Yeah. And it's also cool to see Devolver do, how, you know, make sure like we always hear about ports being released for Switch just being like the worst version of the game. Yeah. And... Like I think they made a few sacrifices with the way Death Door looks, but that means it runs as smooth as smooth as it did on the other consoles, um, for the most part. And I think that's a really good port. And I think this is a really cool and, and inventive port as well. So well done to the development teams and 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 you know essentially it is Devolver who overlooks it and makes sure they're not going to release something that isn't finished. And like so so frequently studios do. So it is cool to see them you know make sure that they're beloved games for this year and hopefully you know Inscription. If they can try and manage, I know a lot of it relies on the fact that you are playing a PC um, in the in the meta game of Inscription. But uh, yeah, actually, 
I hope I hope that they figure that out. And this is a good this is a good omen for the for that because I feel like a lot of people, us included, were like, I don't know how Lupiro would work on the Switch, and it does. Cool. Well, um, spin that wheel. Spin that wheel, and it's landed on me talking about XO One. Rigged. So, <laughs> um, yeah, man, the game's always been rigged. The house always wins, <laughs> Levens. So last night, uh, you know, when when we were discussing recording this episode, I was like, ah, crap. I know I've been playing Moonlighter, but I really want to chalk up something new. I like talking about new games. It's always fun. Uh, so I quickly, uh, so, you know, the, the reason I haven't played much lately is because December is like the most expensive month of the year. Not only is there Christmas, there's also my wedding anniversary. And just, it was one of those like, oh, bank account's looking a little empty. Can't really, like, I've got games that I want to tick off, but I can't buy them until payday, essentially, which is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I was like, ah, look, I'll jump onto uh, Xbox. I'll check out Game Pass. I'm sure there's something on there. And I was happy to see that XO1 was on there because I've seen, like, XO1 is a game that bubbles up every once in a while on social media because of how, like, basically how it looks and how it plays is so easily understandable and visual appealing on those kind of channels. Like, I think the dude made a TikTok account for his game and wound up getting, like, a huge amount of attention for it just because of how it looks and how it plays. So XO1 is a game where you play as a, uh, a a sort of interplanetary probe or a space probe that is exploring these planets. It is of alien origin. It was built on Earth. Um, th- there's sort of a story that is told throughout the game through like these little snippets of garbled uh, conversation between people. And the, the general story is there was a, a, a mission to explore Jupiter that went horribly, fatally wrong, and only one person survived, you know, one one man survived. And upon his return to Earth, he was plagued by visions of an alien device. And so he, he kind of had it built, and it's it uses it to explore these other planets, and the whole idea he has is that he can somehow bring the crew he lost back by using this probe. That's the overarching story. The actual gameplay itself is you play as this probe. This probe is a ball, it is a ball, a self-propelling ball that if you pull the right trigger, it increases the gravity of the ball tenfold. If you release the trigger, the gravity of the ball is somewhat like the gravity you get on the moon. Once you kind of get the ball going at a fair clip, um, if you you know you, you go off kind of a, a little hill or something, the ball will go into the air. You can pull the left trigger and the ball turns into a disc. And you can use that disc to glide. You can double jump while you're kind of in the disc to gain more height. You pull both triggers at the same time. You turn into the disc and you dive. So you can do kind of like swoops to pick up speed and stuff like that. Essentially, do you remember it would have been, God, a decade ago, um, there was a short period where maybe you and not, like I definitely, you maybe, and a bunch of our friends were obsessed with a game called Tiny Wings. Oh yeah, the little bird. The little that... bird where you tap the screen and it dives, and you need to kind of like nail nail little valleys and like trajectory. Yeah, yeah, nail that trajectory. It is very similar to that, essentially. I like that was pretty similar to was it Alba's Al, the, Aldo's the, like Adventure. The, that's the one. Eh, yeah. A little bit. This is this is this is very much about like nailing that kind of drop into a valley and launching back out of it again. 
Um, okay, cool. Whereas Aldo's is more about like racking up tricks and, and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so you, on each alien planet that you land on, you can see a bright blue beam far in the distance. You need to kind of make your way across this landscape get to that beam and the beam is it, it's like a big kind of spire that when you when you you know hit the blue part of it it shoots you into the sky and teleports you to the next level cool accompanied by an absolute wealth of just trippy visuals um it took me a little while to kind of get into how this this probe moved and really get a feel for like when should i increase gravity when should i dive how long will my disc you know, how long will the energy of my disc hold out before it turns back into a ball and I start, you know, I lose kind of my aerodynamic um, abilities. But once I kind of got that a little bit more underhand, it just became this really fun, interesting experience, fun because of the way that you move and interesting because the alien worlds that you are exploring have been really well crafted and they're, they're kind of fascinating to move through. You know, you'll be... You'll be speeding across this, like speeding and diving and launching off these dunes in a desert. And then in the distance, these huge alien structures that like have no discernible purpose, but they're just giant like geometric shapes in the desert kind of come out of the, you know, come out of the distance and you sort of make your way past them. And there's there's other planets that are just covered in water and you can like skip your disc along the surface of the water like a stone um it's just it's so cool the feeling like it 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 reminded me a little bit of um the outer wilds uh that kind of sense of exploring a new planet and and um maybe maybe not the same intricacies as uh as the outer wilds but just that general feeling of like oh my god i'm on somewhere completely alien to earth essentially yeah cool um if if anybody listening is uh partial wink wink to the devil's lettuce this is absolutely a game to burn one down to like it's it's very calm it's it's not like twitchy or anything it has like an a, a very kind of ambient soundtrack it's got some fantastic visuals like i i you know uh, disclaimer: Don't do anything illegal. But if you're in a place where it is legal, give it a rip. See what you think. Um, <laughs> give it. A- <laughs> I I certainly you know if I lived in LA or Colorado, I would definitely. Oh, you know, if I didn't have a seven month old daughter, I would definitely give that a try. But um, yeah. So it's it's I've I've told all the details. That's the squarest you've ever sounded. Yeah, I know. Um, so it's developed but I've never heard you call it devil's lettuce in my life before If you like that dank ass weed, listener, get yeah. into it um, It's developed by Expletive uh, E-X-B-L-E-A-T-I-V uh, And published by Future Friends Games And uh, continuing my streak, it's an Australian game Oh wow, Devel- cool Developed in South Australia It was weird, I was like watching the end credits and in the special thanks section, the name Ashley Ringrose popped up. And I was like, wait a minute, that's my former boss. What's he doing in there? And did a Google. I was like, oh, it makes sense. It's an Australian game. Um, also, South Australia, um, where most of uh, Australia's devil's lettuce uh, crops come from. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. That, ex- that explains why it looks the way it looks. Um, it took me two hours and 40 minutes to finish. And cool. that was like, I was not 
necessarily speeding through it. I took my time at some sections. There are some like there are some collectibles in the game. There are little like orbs you can pick up that increase the energy that your your craft has and allows you to glide for longer. Um, some of them are quite some of them are kind of difficult to get, but they're not necessary generally to the game. You can grab them if you feel like a completionist. But goddamn, it felt cool. You know, you get a bunch of height and then you dive and your craft breaks the sound barrier and the sat, like the screen goes all like red um, because of how fast you're going. Just really good, really kind of like calming and thrilling at the same time. Yeah, awesome. That's XO1. It's available on, well, I, got it, I had it on Game Pass. Um, yeah, it's Xbox exclusive uh, and also Windows. There you go. And also it's a... Uh... If, if anyone is only listening to this without actually looking at the show description, uh, it's spelt E-X-O-O-N-E, mm-hmm. not, not X-O-1. Good point. That's what I was trying to like Google earlier. Levens, like spin the damn wheel. Okay, so we have some spinning the wheel and boom, wouldn't you believe it, it's landed on message from our sponsor. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Thanks, message from our sponsor. Now, I'm going to talk about Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon. Hell yes. Um, this is a, uh, a game that's made by two developers. It's published by Yacht Club Games, who are the makers and creators of all of the Shovel Knight games thus far. Um, and of course, all those games, until this point, have been um, featured in one collection, which is called the Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. I think one of the essential Switch games. I mean, games. I think it's on every console. I think it's just an essential game that everyone should own, especially when they release it. Um, when they put it up in a sale, you can get hours and hours of like pixel perfect platforming precision um, for for very very cheap. Um, if you get if you pick up it on a sale, but even not on a sale, it's it, it's tremendous value. Some of my favorite platforming experiences over the last years have been playing all the Shovel Knight games, um, and the Pocket Dungeon is the first of uh, two games that they are collaborating with other um, studios on to create new Shovel Knight games. Um, so we've got Pocket Dungeon, which came out last week, and then soon I don't think there's a date attached to it yet, but soon we're getting another variation on uh, the Shovel Knight formula called Shovel Knight Dig, um, and Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon is made with a group of uh, of devs called Vine, um, and what are they? What are they made before this? I'm going I'm to pull up their webpage and, and get back to everybody. Vine, so, Vine. Okay. They, uh, so they've made Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon, and looks like a whole bunch of other weird, cool games. Um, but supposedly, um, the Yacht Club team saw a. A, build, a demo build um, or a beta build of uh, of Pocket Dungeon, and it was originally with kind of like nondescript soldiers and skeletons and stuff inside of it. And they were like, "Hey, this would work really well as a Shovel Knight game. Do you want to partner with this, and we will make it an official Shovel Knight game?" 
Um, and I love collaborations like that, like where it's like someone seeing something and, you know, instead of it forcing, forcing two things together that might not work, it's like, oh, this would actually be a really natural fit. And it means well, people will get, you'll get more eyes and people playing um, this new game. Um, it reminds me a lot, even in g- gameplay too, of um, uh, Cadence of Hyrule. Okay. The, um, what, was that, what was that one called again? The, the original game? Uh, Necrodancer. That's right, Crypt of the Necrodancer, the Cadence of Hy- Hyrule, which I loved. And of course, that was uh, the Crypt of the ne- Necrodancer team working with Nintendo to make an actual proper Zelda game. Um, this is, yeah, I, I guess like, you know, another indie developer working with Yacht Club uh, to make a very cool puzzle game. And it's so the, the pocket dungeon refers to like a grid of I guess it's like eight by eight. Um, basically, Shovel Knight is uh, is chilling, and then he gets um, thrown into a portal, um, which he's stuck in a, in a pocket dungeon. And he meets someone called Puzzle Knight, who is also stuck in the pocket dungeon. He enlists the help of Shovel Knight to help get them out, because Shovel Knight can use his shovel to uh, make his way through the little puzzle rooms that are kind of like Tetris. You have, you know, blocks and things falling from the top of your uh, of the screen, but it's not always blocks. In fact, more often than not, it is uh, immediately recognizable Shovel Knight enemies falling from the top of the screen. Um, and as they fall, you, you can, you basically, all you're doing is you are using left, right, up and down to move around. But if you go up against something and then push, like if they're on your left and you push left, for example, you will attack that thing. Um, and if it's an enemy... Yes, you can take one point off, but they will take one point off your health too because you have five points of health as you start each game. Um, and so the, the the aim of the game is to stay alive. You want to try and have all the enemies line up because if you attack one of them, any of the same enemy that's adjacent to it will also take that same amount of damage. Hmm. Um, okay. And it's and also floating down, you have like power up health. So when you're low on health, you can you know make your way up to to where the health is and uh, and replenish yourself, then go back down to where all the action is. Um, you can select at the start of the game whether you want this to play like a roguelite. So once you die, you immediately go back to the beginning. Um, or you can choose to play it like a puzzle game where once you die, you float to the top of the screen and then you can keep playing. But it's a puzzle game in that if if like just like Tetris, if the if the screen gets filled with blocks or enemies, um, the, the game then is over. Right. So more often, I, I chose that mode just because I love puzzle games. Um, but more often than not, if I die and float to the top in the time that it takes me to float up from the top, the room the 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 puzzle dungeon gets filled and I get game over anyway. <clears throat> Luckily for me, you are collecting gems the entire time you are playing Pocket Dungeon, and. What's really cool about this is that you can be very calculated in the way you move around. You can the time time stays pretty still when you um, like things don't fall as quickly if you stay if you stand still. So does um, everything in the in the dungeon. But the more you move around, you uh, turn on a gem multiplier because when you take out a big row of enemies or things of the same same stuff that's all next to each other, you like it drops heaps of gems. Um, and the quicker you are moving around and, and killing things, the more gems you're going to get. When uh, when you die, you can go to a um, like a store and you can buy items that will then appear in your pocket dungeons in the future. That will then some of them are permanent. So I now have like seven um, units of health instead of five. Cool. Um, and little things like that. Um, but very excitingly, they've included a room in like kind of like your main camp that you go back to when you die, 
where you can buy warp locations. It's a, it's a horse guy with a cannon and you can buy for quite a lot of gems. You can buy locate like warp locations for every level that you've played so far. I think, I believe there are 10 in all. Um, I've made it through the first eight. Um, I've unlocked, uh, King Knight and I can't remember which other one, maybe treasure Knight. I think treasure Knight, Yeah. And they each have different abilities to, um, to shovel knight um with uh with king knight you can hold a and then hold in any direction and you make a big powerful swooping attack and anything in front of you and um treasure knight you can you you're much stronger when you attack things from below which is an interesting way to play the game um there are like 12 knights in the shovel knight universe i don't know how many of them have made it to this game but it looks like every time you get a new one it drastically changes the way you can strategize and play the game um I'm really enjoying it. I think it looks really, really good. I love all of the little extra tidbits that they've given you um, to make it like still a very hard but approachable game. Um, I think the uh, the sprite work is is wonderful, as you would expect for any yacht club game. The music is like variations on what I think are very iconic yacht club, uh, sorry, uh, shovel knight compositions, but. I don't think they're as good as the original. So it's like, I wish they really leaned hard into them. Be- these being like really fun remixes, like very chip tuny um, of the, you know, the eight bit originals. Mm-hmm. But, sure. uh, it's, look, it's still good, but I just, you know, you know, when you're like, Oh yeah, this variation is nowhere near as good as the song. I just wish they were playing yeah. instead. I recognize it. I don't care for it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but look, man, as someone that like loved the, the, the kind of, puzzle game that came with king of cards and wish that got its own standalone release or even like a mobile port this is really scratching the puzzle game itch that i um i've only really like tried to scratch this year with uh zookeeper yeah i was gonna say Um, and this is a profoundly but more entertaining and challenging game than zookeeper um it's it's definitely a game where you're gonna die a lot even with the warp um stuff like Sometimes I last twenty seconds in the um, in the latest du- dungeon that I've unlocked, um, so which I think is like the ninth or tenth dungeon. But is it the sort um, of thing where you're like, I know, it's it's not like, oh crap, I'm just dying. I like, do you do you go like, okay, I know kind of what I want to change on my next run that might help me stay alive. Um, it's more like me going like, God damn it, how the fuck did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's just honestly, it's basically every enemy attacks differently. And a little bit of information comes up on the screen when you when you are next to them. But I'm always so in the moment of gameplay. I definitely move around a lot that I don't read it as closely as I should, okay. and so I miss what their weak spot's going to be, what their attack pattern is going to be. Um, they do give you all that info though, and it is just a it's just going to be a matter of you know case of me, um, Act- trial and error. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's great, man. It's it's really really great. Um, a very cool idea for for a puzzle game. It's this is not just like a typical match three um, puzzle game, which there are way too many of on on all app stores. This is very much its own unique thing that is really, I think, benefited from um, having the Shovel Knight brand attached to it. Um, you know, a, a Shovel Knight shows up in a lot of indie games. It's like you know a fighter or a trophy or whatever, but. This is this feels like a fully fledged um, shovel knight title, and I think because um, the treasure trove contains so many different ways to play with those characters, this does not feel out of place with that character at all. Yeah, and you're playing yeah. on Switch. Yeah, I'm playing on Switch. Cool. I think it's only on Switch. Ah, okay, okay. 
I was desperately like hoping it would come to phones because it sounds like such a phone game, but I think it's very reliant on it's because of this how quick you need to be. Ah. I don't think it would work as a as a okay. like moving around because you um you are like you're you're moving around those eight by eight panels like a lot unless you were I don't know unless you were like physically dragging shovel knight around on the screen i'm not sure if it could work because you know virtual touchpads suck virtual virtual uh, d-pads true true but then i look at something like grindstone which is not necessarily the same game but it does work perfectly in the mobile environment anyway it's available on switch very different because you're moving you're moving blocks around right in, or, you know you're moving you know you're swiping the pattern that you want to take sure that movie, that game was made for phones. This one is definitely made for consoles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wrong. Sorry, it is available on Steam for sure. Well, Google is telling me that it's available on on PlayStation as well. Interesting. So okay, maybe it's everywhere. But um, uh, yeah, man, uh, I've been playing it on Switch. It, I, I've played all all the other um, uh, Shovel Knight games on Switch too, and I would recommend that everyone picks it up. It's a great handheld game. Very very good. Hell yeah! Now. Uh I mean, we could spin we could spin the wheel at this point, Levens, or you could tell us about Dust Spiders. Which would you prefer? Uh, obviously, I, I like pledge my allegiance to the wheel. Right. Okay. We're spinning the wheel. Look at that! It came up on you talking about Dust Spiders. Crazy man. So this is why I love this wheel. Um, so Dust Spiders is a game that I backed on Kickstarter um, much earlier in the year. Completely forgot about, uh, like all the best Kickstarter campaigns, and then it showed up in the mail randomly yesterday. Um, it's so cool when you like all I'm expecting mail wise at the moment is like Christmas presents that I bought for family members and my kids and stuff. Um, so when something showed up, I was like, what is this? And oh, wow, it's for me. Um, <laughs> Merry so Christmas. A great, very great, great, great moment. Um, so the team behind this game I mentioned earlier is uh, Jan, Jan, Jan Willem Neiman. Willem Neiman. Is it Neiman? Sorry, I, think I like so. saying Nijman. Yeah, but uh, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, you're right. That J is probably, uh, probably silent. Sure. Um, he was 50% of the company Vlambeer um, and has worked on uh, previous all the small game hits as Disc Room, Minute, Nuclear F- F- Throne, and Ridiculous Fishing, but so many more on top of that. Uh, he made this game with Terry Vellman, who was the illustrator and game designer who made uh, Sludge Life Hell yeah. and also did all the art for Disc Room, plus High Hell and Heavy Bullets. Um, then we have uh, Robbie Fraser, who is from South Africa, an independent um, uh, game designer there who worked on Broforce and Genital Jousting. Um, and uh, they've all been making this with I Am 8-Bit, who published, uh, basically, you know, put everything together. Um, and they, they do lots of awesome, uh, you know, physical video game stuff and, and merch and stuff like that. They are, it's a great team. They are my favorite source for vinyl soundtracks. There you go. Um, we do know that John is a fan of those. So in a box of Dust Biters, which is uh, incredibly well illustrated, in a way that like I would compare to um, someone like Chris Burnham or um, Frank Quitely even, um, if you are a big comic book head. Um, a little, and then like very, very big colors, like what I would expect from like an Andrew McLean uh, headlopper kind of book. This, um, this is... Like excellent artwork, um, and it is a game where you have you have twenty one cards. It's a two player game, um, and you have a uh, basically like one like you, each each player is given. I think it's four cards each, and one, like that you start a um, a line of cars. Um, so it's about basically a, gang, a, a line of gang cars in like a dust storm. Think Mad Max. Okay, um, and um, 
what do you call a line of cars again? Convoy. The, convoy. Thank you. Um, and so you take turns. At the end of each turn, the the last car in the convoy um, is lost to the dust. Um, so basically, you want to um, use every single card has a different power. Um, it will be like, hey, the card behind this one, if you enable that power, is destroyed. Or you can swap the card at the front of the of the convoy to the back. Um, and so you're basically you're trying to save your own cards while destroying the, the other players' cards. Um, and uh, there are so many different ways. You, you get, basically get like three of four actions that you can do um, each turn. And um, it's it's kind of... It's one of those ones where, like, you have to really pay attention to... What, like, it's really, really easy to learn the rules of. But because each car has its own rules, you have to be very aware of what's in play at the moment. For example, there is one card that any card that it's next to is rendered useless. Wow. You can't move it. You can't... And that includes your own cards. Um, mm. So there, there are cards that you don't really benefit from having in your hand as, as much as some of the other ones. Uh, and then there are some that are so OP. Um, and then what some like, you know, like very, very like crazy ones where it's like, um, enable this card to add the, cause once a car is destroyed, you add it to the wrecking pile face up. And then some cards allow you to take the card on the top of the wrecking pile and add it to your hand. So you, you know, if you, you can strategize and, and send a game, a card of yours to the back to have it destroyed only to then re-add it to your hand. If you have that card, it's cool. It's lots of fun strategy and no two games are the same and, you know, you have to be very aware of what what cards your the second player has, and sometimes you pay too much attention to what they have, and what you have than what you have, or you pay too much attention to saving your cards at the back instead of putting new cards at the front, because every every turn you put a new card of yours at the front, so you can kind of moving the the, the convoy forward. It's very cool. Um, so easy to learn, lots of nuance. Yeah, and excellent art. Um, I would definitely recommend this. You can still buy it through Kickstarter or you can buy it through im8bit.com. Yeah. Um, definitely recommend it. it. It's so beautifully, um, like the collection's just so nice. Obviously, the artwork's great, but it's in this beautiful box. It comes with excellent looking little like comic book um, player's manual. And the cards themselves are just like, just colorful and fantastic. Yeah, it's definitely something on my two cop list. Yeah. Uh, cop it up. All right, Levens, two more left. Spin that wheel. You've got the wheel. Everyone knows you have the wheel. Well, who gave me the wheel? Why, why did that happen? We established this at the start of the episode. <laughs> All right. Continuity is important. <laughs> All right, it's landed on me talking about Moonlighter. Now, Levens, you've had a run at Moonlighter before, correct? Uh, I think we both did. Yeah. Right? So from, I mean, this would have been a while ago, like maybe two years or so. When was Moonlighter released? Um, do you remember your time with it? Yeah, so I remember like you're like a little dude who gets put in charge of a shop. Mm-hmm. But in order to get things to stock in your shop, you have to go and fight monsters in, in dungeons. Yeah. And the dungeons are procedurally generated, I think. Yeah, pretty much, um, yeah. And then you come back up and then you... This is where the game lost me. I love, all about like, like, you know, hunting in the dungeons, running a shop. That's great. But the game has you put the prices on all of the things that you find in the dungeons. Yes. And you're meant to know if you've chosen the right price or not by the customer's reactions to your prices. Yes. If it's too expensive, they'll scoff. If it's too cheap, 
feel like you get that. What are they? They think less of you as a shop. No, no, no. It? If it's too, if it's if it's less than it should be, because the way you tell what what they're thinking is like a little kind of, I, I guess you call it an emoticon of sorts, pops up next to their head. And you know, if it's way overpriced, it's a sad face with like blue lines on it to make it look like it's crying. If it's way too cheap, it's a very excited smiley face with coins instead of eyes. Right. Yeah, and it sucks seeing that one because you're like, "Ooh, I just lost money." <laughs> um, yeah, I, I remember playing it and really enjoying the like, you know, very tough dungeon stuff. But then getting back up and just being like, "Oh, I don't have the time to invest in figuring out how to run a shop." Yeah. Um, so I, so I, I dodged it. Yeah. So that was pretty much my experience. I just remember being like, the dungeon exploring part was fun, but the shop part confused me and because you really need to like upgrade your weapons and your armor and everything to properly explore the dungeon. And I was bollocking up the shop part. I was (laughs) never really able to properly enjoy the dungeon part of it. So obviously it was released in 2018, just, just to get the details out of the way released in 2018 developed by uh, digital sun or the developers it says here, digital sun, 11 bit studios and crunching koalas. Weirdly enough, I get the feeling one of those is probably, uh, the people that did the port. No, developed by yes. Spanish indie studio Digital Sun. There we go. Um, Crunching Cart Koalas are a porting studio. Yeah, though. yeah. Um, I, yeah, so I remember playing it a little bit at the time and just being like, okay, this shop stuff's really confusing me. They kind of run you through it at the beginning of the game and I guess I didn't pay too much attention about it. Uh, and then got really confused. And just, it was one of those games where I'm like, I'm going to put this to the side. There's other games I want to play. However, over the years, I've seen Moonlighter pop up on so many lists of people being like, oh my God, this game's fantastic. You've got to play it. Like, what a, what an amazing Switch game this is. Uh, it's gotten DLC. Like, it just seemed to have this enduring popularity that I was like, you know what? I want to go back and play it again and actually pay attention and do it properly this time and see what the hype is all about. So- well, for me, the, the the big draw card of going back to it was that learning that it's the same composer as um, uh, Death's Door. It's David Fenn, who is one of the developers oh. of Death's Door. He did the soundtrack for, for both these games. There you go. So I dived in over the last week and this time I actually was like, you know what? I'm going to throw myself into the shop element of the game and actually get that that going. And I got to say, I I kind of get it now. I kind of get it. Like, I I the the two halves of the game, the shopkeeper part and the dungeon the dungeon exploring part. I see how they both fit together. I see how they're kind of this interlocked Skinner box of, you know, oh I I want to get better at exploring the dungeons to get better loot so I can sell more at my shop and buy better weapons and equipment and stuff to make it easier to explore the dungeon and get better stuff for over and over and over, loop, loop, loop. And I've definitely fallen into that that Stardew-esque or Stardew Valley-esque thing of just one more round. Like, I'll, I'll yep. finish a day at the shop and be like, oh, I'm so close to an upgrade, I'll just dive into the dungeon once more and find the, the, you know, the, the resources I need or get some stuff to make a bit more money. Or if I've just finished a dungeon run, I'll be like, mm, I'll just do one more shop day kind of thing. So it's definitely, it has that potential for that late night, like, ah, oh, crap, it's 1am, what did I do sort of thing. That being said, 
I can see why it's a good game, but it escapes me why some people think it's a great game. Because I the the combat during the dungeon part is fine, but it's not excellent. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. it feels a little bit clunky. You know, you you have a dodge roll, but the dodge roll always feels like it triggers just a split second after you actually need it to trigger, and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so so the ex- the dungeon exploration part is just good, and the shot managing part, I I don't know what I want from it. Whether I want more nuance or less nuance, it definitely like it just starts to get a bit frustrating. Like the experimentation to find the right price for your items gets a bit frustrating, especially when there's like, you know, you, you're keeping watch for these little emotions that they pop up. If you've got three people buying stuff at the same time, it, it kind of gets a little difficult to track. What did they think about that? Have I set it at the right price? You know, like... Because it records the prices that you sell it for in your notebook, but that's only if the the item that you're selling is not popular at that point in time or isn't bought by a rich person. If either right. of those two things happen, it doesn't record the price. So it can be a little bit difficult going, now hold on, what did I sell this for last time? Was it popular? Was it that kind of thing? Um, all that being said, like this is not me saying it's a garbage game. Like I said, I finally get the game itself and it's something that I will definitely keep playing because I want to see it through I want to like as you play through you unlock more dungeons to play through with the kind of end goal being you collect four keys which unlocks kind of this huge dungeon in town I do want to see it through till there I am enjoying it enough to keep playing it the 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 point I was trying to make was as I said earlier I just don't get why it's some people are like, oh my god, this is the greatest game that's ever been. It can't just be the music. <laughs> do, you, do you have any, anything to say about the music? I mean, it's it's nice, but at the same time, I'm so busy going like, oh, I'm being attacked by eight things at once, or oh, why the hell didn't they buy that? How have I priced that wrong? That like, <laughs> it fades into the background a bit. But when I when I do hear it, it is nice. Awesome. So that's Moonlighter, which I believe is available everywhere now. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's left? Me talking about Solar Ash? I mean, one, I've, obviously, I've got, I've got the wheel behind one me. One thing left on the wheel, Levens. The whole wheel says Solar Ash. I'll spin it just out of, you know, just cause, but get into it. So Solar Ash, a game that I reviewed last week. I was um, up to the final level. Um, last week and kind of contemplating, do I go back and uh, and get all of the missing parts to all the suits that I've gotten so far, find all these little extra bits so I can finish the game on 100% completion. And uh, I was like, oh, I could just finish it. I'll only be playing it for 15 more minutes. Or I could spend like two hours and just, you know, be be the most me person I could be. And that's what I did. Hey. Um, I went back because the uh, basically like there are logs that you have to find like not like tree logs sure. like uh, like text, like drops from text logs kind of thing yeah text logs um or like you know like audio logs of um yeah. the, lo- the the final messages of other people in your crew who explored these areas before you got there and you have to figure out you know what happened to them um and every time you find one of their drops you also get a different piece of armor um and each uh, piece of armor gets like one, well, every different suit of armor has a different kind of like cool ability like you know you can there's there's uh, shorter cooldown time between uh, your boosts 
or things of that nature. Um, I missed almost all of the um, uh, the suit parts in the early levels. Um, I spoke last week about how like maybe I was missing like the the language of the game because it, they do kind of drop drop clues as a symbol that's near where all of your um, your crew members have been. Um, but I've maybe I just think that the, the, as you progress, like it, they're a lot easier to find because the uh, the final map. The final world I was in, I found everything like it's, it's one with the most pieces of, of, of armor in it, and I found them all really easily. And then that armor actually, when you wear it, um, it, it tells you where all the other um, drops are oh, throughout the game. Very handy, in like little yeah. So I, I think they do it very purposefully, and some of them are very trickily hidden um, throughout all the levels. So going back and doing that, you know, with with like my full shields and um, just like you know, with a much better idea of how movement in the game works was really really cool. Um, the ending, I the story, I, I kind of I didn't I wouldn't say I struggled. I struggled to like care too much about the story in the game. You know, you're the last of your species trying to either reverse time or stop more, like stop more destruction from happening. Um, and you're uncovering these logs. You're trying to like turn your, turn these, turn these robot who you talk to this AI back on. Um, it's like, you know, pretty par for the course sci-fi stuff. Um, but the way it ends is pretty great. Um, this big conversation between you and someone else who you encounter every time you uh, defeat one of the bosses and you know who the relationship the relationship that person has to you um and then yeah the the, the big final boss fight um was uh was really satisfying um i don't think it was the most difficult in the game i think the most difficult um boss in the game was the uh the final the final world's boss um i found uh like pretty tricky um because again you're not really you're not so much attacking it again and again it's it's more of a um an obstacle course that you'd complete on the boss itself because it's kind of like shadow of the colossus style you're like zoom, gliding around the boss and slashing at its weak points in, in a limited time frame. Sure. Um, and a lot of my frustration with not being able to do certain things that came from like the camera angle kind of not showing the 3D object that I need to go down or across on. There were a few like frustrated, like, oh my God, moments where I would just keep dying at the same point in a, in a boss battle. But um, I didn't have too much trouble with the final one, and um, I found the ending really satisfying. Got that notification saying, "Congratulations, you finished with a hundred percent completion." Ooh. Felt really good about it. Um, I definitely like Solar Ash. Um, I talked about it last week um, as like you know uh, the latest in a series of, of games that I'm, 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 I've recently discovered I'm a massive fan of, and that is. Uh, games in which you play a woman who can float making her way through a uh, a wasteland um looking for survivors um and uh that of of those three games that i've played in the last year um while i love solar ash it's my 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 least favorite of the three of them i still really liked it and i reckon you'll probably see it show up on my top 10 of the year but um i would say number three solar ash number two sable and number one, Pathless. Sable's the least like the three of those games, but it does fit the metric uh, yes. that I described earlier. Um, best soundtrack by far. Solar Ash, worst soundtrack. Pathless, second best. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How many other different ways can we can we slice this top three? Yeah, look, I, that's the, I mean, I'm kind of making that point to say that like Solar Ash is really good, but it's bizarre to me that Annapurna published this and the Pathless when the Pathless kind of does everything better yeah um but the, the games are different enough it's just is is it's very difficult not to compare them um especially when the publisher the same publisher put the both of them out yeah 
Understandable. Um, yeah, I, I, I look. I'm, I'm I'm satisfied with uh, with my time with this game. I think I spent maybe like seven or eight hours on it. Um, so it was a sixty dollar game for me. So um, you know, if if, if that is a, a a big price point that you'd expect more for. Um, maybe wait for this one to get on get on sale. But if you do like the, uh, you know, if you do like 3D platformers and especially ones that like, you know, I've been disappointed by a lot of Sonic games in my lifetime. This kind of does a take on what a 3D Sonic game could do. Like, you know, you're gliding quite quickly through clouds and over bosses and having like mini quick time events where you have to quickly get to a, an area. Like you, you've got a great button when you push circle it slows time down and then you can zoom in and attack certain things um really really fun i liked the end like the regular enemies um and just like just zooming around creating havoc in these uh cool sky worlds was very fun i loved the atmosphere of all the levels too i liked a lot about this game sure. that's for sure yeah um uh i just uh i i had massive expectations um for it because of how much of a hyper light drifter fan i am um, and I, I think like atmosphere wise, like gameplay wise, that's just a far stronger game to me, but solar ash is definitely worthy of your attention. Hell yeah, man. What a, we, a lot of games covered on this app. I mean, do you want me to just quick, I'll give quick updates dates. Cause I, I, I reckon I'll probably talk about it further next year, but I'm making my way through a lot of the games that I missed or like, you know, didn't get, didn't get all the way through that uh, as far as I, I would have liked. Um, I am uh, in like the last five levels or so of Flynn, Son of Crimson. Okay. The game just gets better and better. I know a lot of people tapped out because it's a Game Pass game and like the first like five levels, I just like, you know, pretty by the numbers platforming, but it does get way harder. You have way more abilities that you need to sw- quickly switch between uh, to get through these very long platforming levels with heaps and heaps of enemies that you need to, you know, it's like a brawler in those parts um, because you both have to, like you have to chip away at them and dodge really, really well. I, I find it really satisfying and another beautifully looking, beautiful looking game. That game was published by Humble Bundle, um, Humble Games, who I have put out so many of my favorite games this year. Um, and uh, uh, they also put out Unsighted, which is a game that so many people have told me to start. It's a Metroidvania game with like kind of like a cyberpunk kind of vibe where you play as like a robot and the, and the, the humans have destroyed all the other robots. And so you've got like this finite amount of time to, to get all of these, you know, trinkets and shit that you need to get to complete the game um it's very fun um who it was made by studio pixel punk punk and hmm. uh, came out earlier this year it's on game pass too every humble game i think that came out this year is on game pass that was a great deal on uh on xbox's behalf um but uh yeah man this is a game that look was uh, it it almost we almost went through all of 2021 without me going to and uh i love i love love what i've played so far really really fun game nice all right. Uh, a lot of choice in that game too. There's like, it's funny, like, you know, Solar Ash has, you, you play through a game where, you know, it's it's a pretty linear path. Um, and then at the end, it's like, do you want to do this or this? Like, just as you fight the final boss. Right. Um, you know, I feel like games so often do that. Oh, you know, it's actually like, you know, it's very, very choice reliant. But in this game, you can't, or I don't, as far as I know, I don't think you can save everybody in Unsighted. They all have like a, basically you can see how many hours they have left to live. Wild. And, um, 
which is very crazy. And like, yeah, you can collect things that can you, you can use to give you a, you, can, you can also see how many hours you have to live, live too. And so as you find these resources that can extend your life by 24 hours at a time, do you spend them on yourself so you can com- complete more of the game? Or do you try and save the people who you've made important connections with? Um, really, really interesting game. I'm looking forward to talking more about Unsighted in the future. Um, but uh, yeah, um, just some good shit, man. Good If you like choice in games, this, this look, it reminds me a bit of... Um, Chrono Trigger, I have to admit oh, as well. Okay, interesting. Yeah, which is a, a big, a big up. Um, man, it's been a fucking great year for games. It, is what I'm trying it to say. really has. I'm having like, I keep endlessly reshuffling my top ten list. I think my top three has been decided yeah. and ha- was decided pretty early on. My- like, I keep going back to three very special games to me uh, from this year. Um, we are going to have such a good time doing that top ten. Yeah. Um, I wonder if we'll be able to pick each other's top threes this year. Possibly. Um, but uh, the... I, I would love to do... We should do, like, make sure we do other awards, like best best publisher of the year. Yeah. You know, yeah. favorite game. Favorite game from 2020 that we've played this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, favorite game we caught up on next the next year. Yeah. Um, um, and, of, and, of course, all of the, uh, the the games that we wish we got around to playing. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. That, that list is going to be enormous. Honor, honorable mentions and stuff we missed. Like I'm, I, but hey, I'm now at the point where I'm like, do I try, like, do I try tick off stuff I've missed, or do I just accept that I'm not going to make it and and leave them for later, where I might enjoy them without the pressure of, oh my god, will this make the list? Yeah. Um. So look, if you um, if you'd like to uh, contribute to our um, our our best of the year episode, which is two weeks away at this point, um, I would love to hear from you. You can email us at allthesmallgames.com at gmail.com or join our discord by heading to patreon.com slash all the small games not only do you get um all these bonus episodes we've do- we've done and a couple that we're about to do um you also get um access to our discord community where you can talk about indie games non-stop um it was especially fun watching everyone be immensely dis- disappointed uh, as they watch the video game awards yes um, last week, last Friday, I'm so happy I didn't watch that. It was like my first time in three years that I was like, I'm not going to watch the Game Awards this, this, <laughs> this year. And I'm so happy with myself that I didn't. I, it is such a profound waste of time. I had, I, I kind of had fun because I have Twitch as one of my clients. Of course, yeah. And the, the two people that I, you know, are, are my contacts at Twitch, we just sat on Slack and like peanut paneled the whole thing. So it was amusing in that sense, but there were so many like blood pressure spiking instances of like, what the fuck do you mean that one? Like, how the hell is that winning over this kind of thing? I mean, Keena Bridge of the Spirits, I've heard really good things, but I was like, oh boy, that was up against some strong competition. And it won both. Yeah. And again, that's another game that I'm like, shit, do I, do I want to try and at least put a couple hours into that one? Yeah. Um, before we record. Um, but I, I was like, oh, surely it'll go on sale before the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. But look, you know, it's a bad mentality. We do technically make a little bit of money from the podcast. Maybe I should spend that little bit of money on Keener Bridge of Spirits before, before we do our best of the year episode. In any case, it's a great time to join us over at Patreon, get all of our bonus episodes from the year and contribute to our best of the game of the year episode. You can suggest some weird categories for us to uh, announce our favorite games or composers or characters 
uh, from from 2021 inside. Um, and uh, of course, we'd love to hear from you over email, which uh, Ryan has done this week. All the small games at gmail.com if you want to be like Ryan and write to us. He says, Hey there, John and Lev Dog. I'm Ryan and I'm trying to pick out a game for my partner, but don't know many goal based games like Animal Crossing, narrative, narrative based games, or games like World of Warcraft on the Switch, since that's just not a console I own. You both always have some amazing games in your rotation and wanted to hear your thoughts on your favorites of those genres. As always, absolutely love the show and wish you only the best holiday season and a fruitful new year. Ooh, Thanks, Ryan. Fruitful. Love it. Okay. Um, goal-based games, I would say uh, Stardew Valley is the very obvious oh, yeah, one. 100%. And a slightly less obvious one is Spiritfarer. Okay. Um, I, I think is, which, I, which I think combines the like you know goal-based you know collecting um, and and farming and 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 creating and crafting with the second thing that you were asked for a recommendation for a narrative based game because the narrative of that game is is very good. Um, you're you're essentially like helping spirits uh, make their way to the afterlife on a big boat. Yes, that you have to maintain yourself. Um, I would make the suggestion of Graveyard Keeper. Oh, yeah. uh, which is very much like it's you know it's sort of a, a, a twisted take on uh, Stardew Valley. Not, I mean, it's not like full juggalo, but it is like it does pedal a little bit in darker humor. Um, but it does have a very full like juggalo. strong narrative hook to it, um, which which you know keeps you going in those in those games. I mean, that's that's the thing. I would like I would throw Moonlighter in there, but Moonlighter doesn't really have that that strong narrative. Which I think is another sure. reason why I don't I don't gel with it quite as much, right. um, but yeah, Graveyard Keeper I've have a you know I've had a lot of fun with over time. Yep, um, I for narrative games uh, I think the best narrative based games that I played on the Switch um, Undertale and the sequels Deltarune I think are excellent, um, and um, I also I feel like we we don't talk about. I mean, Chicory is is another game that the developer has made um, this year that uh, is on PlayStation Five. But before he made this one, he made a game called what the fuck was it called, John? Um, with the Bard, mm. Never Song? No, 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 not Never Song. Um, Wonder, Wonder, Wonder Song. song. W a n d e r song. Yes, uh, Wonder Song. I think is an excellent, really, really uplifting and lovely narrative based game. Um, that that anyone could play. I don't, I don't think it's particularly difficult platformer wise. Some fun puzzles, um, and unlike Chicory, it doesn't quite overstates. Chicory is way too long on the tooth. Mm-hmm. Um, Wonder Song. Wonder Song is is way more chapter based. Even though Chicory is too, but this is like very much like a linear chapter by chapter. Um, whereas like Chicory is kind of like a Metroidvania esque kind of thing. But I think Wonder Song is my favorite game from that developer, and uh, a great one on Switch. There you go. As for games like World of Warcraft. I don't know if we're your best best bets for that one. Um, I mean, look, I can throw some in, um, kind of. Uh, honestly, they're not exactly the same in that they're not RTSs, but I think you'll find that the Kingdom Rush series really scratches that itch. Okay. Um, I mean, it is about kind of like building in the same way that that world of warcraft is you just don't have necessarily control over your units um but i mean i'm like kingdom rush frontiers just appeared on apple arcade and i've been replaying it and having a great time um there was a game i was messing with a while ago called uh they are is it they are billions which is like an rts set in a like zombie apocalypse um had had 
bit of fun with that, which is good. But yeah, generally, like, I don't know, RTS are... Real-time strategy is games that we generally don't have much truck with, I guess, because... And, and, and indies very rarely make MMOs as well. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, 100%. Oh, World of Warcraft. Okay, not not straight yeah. Warcraft. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. No MMOs, thanks. <laughs> Um, but hopefully the other hopefully the other suggestions were were, were helpful. Yeah. Um that that's it for the episode. Thank you so much, Ryan, for writing in and please do uh, do the same if you'd like to get uh, get in touch with us before the end of the year. All the small games at gmail.com is our email address. You can find us at Twitter. We are at all the small game. On uh, Facebook we are facebook.com slash all the small games. John is on Twitter at, at sixteen tacos. He's on Instagram as that too, as am I at Levdog on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next week for the 101st episode of All the Small Games. Thank you for listening to all 100 episodes uh, of this podcast with us. And if you didn't, go back and listen. Yeah, they're all there. Yeah, they're all there. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. See you see later. Ya. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.